Genesis chapter 6. you something out of Revelation, okay? Um, you don't got to turn there. We got all the other scripture up on on the board except for this one. So if you look in, we'll start off in Genesis chapter 6. Y'all with me? like a, a deafening silence overcame the crowd all of a sudden. Got me nervous. It's good. All right. So Genesis chapter 6, starting off in verse 1, says, Now it came to pass when men began to multiply on the face of the earth, daughters were born to them, that the sons of God saw the daughters of men, that they were beautiful, and they took wives for themselves of all whom they chose And the Lord said, My spirit shall not strive with man forever, for he is indeed flesh, yet his days shall be a hundred and twenty years. There were giants on the earth in those days, and also afterward when the sons of God came into the daughters of men and they bore children to them, those were the mighty men who were of old, men of renown. And then the Lord, this is where I want you to start paying attention, verse 5. Then the Lord saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth, and that every intent of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. And the Lord was sorry that he made man on the earth, and he was grieved in his heart. So the Lord said, I will destroy man whom I have created from the face of the earth, both man and beast, creeping things and birds of the air, for I'm sorry that I've made them. Never stop when there's a conjunction, okay, because it's very important. But Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. This is the genealogy of Noah. Noah was a just man. This is what grace causes in his life. He was a just man, perfect in his generations. And Noah walked with God. And Noah begot three sons, Shem, Ham, and Japheth. The earth also was corrupt before God, and the earth was filled with violence. So God looked upon the earth, and indeed it was corrupt for all flesh. It corrupted their way on the earth. So we see, at this point in time in history, we see the condition of the world. And you know that it talks about, Jesus talked about in um, Luke chapter 17, I believe it was. And he was talking to to the disciples, and he said, As it was in the days of Noah, so shall it be in the coming of the Son of Man. He also referred to what it was like in the days of Lot. That's what it's going to look like in the in the last days. Now, um, a couple of things. Y'all know that earlier, you know, this year I said it's possible, which it's always possible. Lord, possible, Lord, come back today. But I believe, I just believe, according to the to the. Um, to the, to the Hebrew calendar, uh, Leviticus chapter 23 and the feast days and all that kind of stuff we won't get into this morning. I do believe that Jesus is going to come back in the fall of a year. I don't know what year, but in the fall of a year. Uh, one of these days I'll teach on that. But um, And so I've been looking. You know, if you're looking and you're watching what's going on, and, and, and please don't, 
Don't say, oh, here we go, he's naming dates. I'm not naming dates. You know, I know the Bible says no man knows the day. It says the day. We know the season. The Bible says we don't walk in darkness to our children of light. That day doesn't come upon us as a thief in the night. That's what it says in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. But but here's the thing. I, I told you, and I, I'm still with it. I hadn't backed off of you. I said the way things are lining up in the world and how things are going, so many of the things that you look at the Bible and then you look at the news, like we're looking at the Bible on the news, it's possible, very possible, that Jesus could come back this fall, possibly in October. Possibly don't. No, we might be around. We might go through hunting season, have a great time, and, and be around next year. All right, and then smoke through the summer of next year. But it's possible, and, and everything that you look at is really, really points in that direction. I don't know if that makes y'all feel uncomfortable. I'm excited about it. If the Lord comes back, you know, calls me home off of a deer stand. Praise the Lord. You know what I'm talking about. But but if you're here and you don't know Jesus, you know, it could be very, very troubling. Or depending on when the when the resurrection and rapture takes place, I am a, I am a post-trib pre-wrath. That's where I stand. And we don't, we don't divide over that. Some people believe Jesus is coming back prior to the last seven years. Some people believe we're going to go through that time and, and not go into the wrath, but through the judgments. I believe we're going through it. So this fall could start the last seven years in which we'll see vast changes over the next seven years if that's possible. That's, that's where I'm at, okay? Whatever Jesus wants to do, we're on the first train out. Amen? So, when you look at what's going on here in this time, God's fixing to bring about a judgment of a flood. When you look what's going on in our day and time, and I realize, and I talk to people, like, well, you know, you know, preachers always been, the world's always had wickedness, and it has, and it's, it, we've seen some horrific times when you look in history that's come over the world and immorality and all that. But there are some very distinct differences of where we have been and where we're at today. And so this is one thing I will say, and I won't back off of it a bit because it's absolutely Scripture. And this is what I am saying, okay? Uh, whether the Lord comes back or not this fall or seven years from now, this is undeniably, no argument to it, our nation is already entered into a time of judgment. We're already there. We're not going, hey, if we don't change, we're going to be judged. We're in a judgment. Romans chapter 1, if you want to study that for yourself, verse 17 to 32, you see the signs of God's judgment. When we're, God is taking steps already. When God judges, oftentimes what God does, He turns us over to our own choices. It's not like God's sitting there going, all right, I'm going to get them. God's like, if this is what you want, you can have it. Some of us as individuals have faced judgment in our life where God's like, if this is what you want, then I'm going to let you have it. And He turns you over to that. That's a judgment. That's what we're seeing in our country. And here's the thing I want to stress, that, that judgment or blessing doesn't rest upon the decision of unbelievers. Judgment or blessing rests upon the decision of God's people. You know, as you ride around, you know, I don't see as many of them now, but for a while there, <coughs> you saw signs of people's yard. Second Chronicles 7, 14. And everybody knows that. And like, we need to turn back to the Lord. I agree, but you'll notice in that verse it says, if my people. Doesn't say if the world, if lost people, if unbelievers. It says, if my people who are called by my name shall humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear their cry from heaven, I will forgive their sins, and I will heal their land. God's speaking to his people. The condition of a nation rises and falls upon church, not upon the wicked. Okay, there's always been wicked people and there always will be. 
But there will come a time, and you'll remember, I've I got to cover a little bit here before I get into this too heavy. There will come a time, and even when Jesus was talking about his return in the days of Noah, he said, but when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith? You know, here Noah got down to eight folk. You had Noah, his wife, three sons, and their three wives. That was only eight people that survived and saved his judgment. And so what he's saying is, when I come again, you're going to see it. And I know a lot of people sitting here thinking, well, it's obviously not true because there are people in church all over. There is. There's lost people in church all over. Just because you're sitting in church doesn't make you a Christian. Okay? And so I just, I just want you to listen to this this morning because there is a different type of flood of judgment that we're seeing. The Lord said, I'll never destroy the world by water or by flood again. And the next time it's going to be, he talks about in Second Peter chapter 3 verse 19 that he's going to destroy by fire. He's going to cleanse the earth by fire. But there is a different type of flood. In, in Revelation chapter 12, I'll read this to you. You don't have to turn there. Um, starting off in the, it's in the last part of the verse. Now, I'm not saying this is where we're at. Okay, don't say, well, he said we're in Revelation chapter 12. I'm not saying, what I, I, what I want you to see is the characteristic of the devil in this because how he works in the future, how he works in the past is how he works today. And so it says, now when the dragon, that's talking about Satan himself, saw that he had been cast to the earth, he persecuted the woman, the woman is Israel at this point in time, who gave birth to the male child, speaking of Jesus. I can't go through all that, so stay with me. But the woman was given two wings of a great eagle, and she might fly into the wilderness to her place, whereas she is nourished for a time, time, and half a time from the presence of the serpent. So the serpent, right here's what I want you to see. So the serpent spewed water out of his mouth like a flood. After the woman. Why? That he might cause her to be carried away by the flood. Okay, now understand, in the Old Testament, he's dealing with Israel. New Testament, dealing with the bride, which is the church. And it says, But the earth helped the woman, and the earth opened its mouth and swallowed up the flood which the dragon had spewed out of his mouth. And the dragon was enraged with the woman, and he went to make war with the rest of her offspring who keep the commandments of God and have the testimony of Jesus Christ. And so you see a satanic flood, a satanic flood. And its purpose is to sweep away God's people, their influence, their witness, and everything that God intends for his people to be a part of. We see that flood already taking place. So when you look at our world today as compared to the world in the time of Noah, a lot of the things you see, I would say, number one, would be the, the great desire for riches. People, people's whole lives are built around. And listen to me. If this don't apply to you, just let it pass over, all right? But if it applies, I just want you to consider it, okay? Because what we do a lot of times, that, that flood that Satan spews out is all the lies. Part of that is just all the lies that he speaks, and he's pouring out lies. And here's the thing. God's people are eating them up. Man, we listen to it. Like we watch, the, we watch the, the world flood towards us. And we watch social media flood. All this, and we're, like, we're buying into it. Like, I need to be rich. If I was rich, I would be happy. If I was rich, if I had more. And I need to have security. I don't just need to have one security. Now I have five retirements. And I still don't know if I've got enough. You know, I don't know if $10 million is enough to carry me for the last 10 years to the doctor of my life. 
So I need more and I need more. My kids need more. I don't need just enough security for me. I need it for my kids, all my kids, their grandkids, their grandkids, and their grandkids to make sure they don't ever have to think about money. So I need to be rich, rich, and more rich. Then you got the filth of perversion. You know, any time a nation, you know, we've, we've always had perversion. We hadn't had perversion like we've got now. We haven't had, you know, the homosexual movement in the way that is flooding our country right now. Or the way that Hollywood's trying to project that it's flooding. But it's here, and it's not going away, and it's going to continue to flood, and it's going to try to flood into your homes, and into your communities, and into your school, and into your thought process, to where you begin to accept it. And you're like, I don't want to be judgmental. It's filth. It's perversion. It's an abomination to God, along with a lot of other filth and perversion. We was at the prison yesterday, and we was talking to some guys, and one one guy was telling me, he said, "I've got I've got nine kids." And this guy said, seven baby mamas." I was like, "All right." Another one, I was like, "Man, nine kids, seven baby mamas. That's what we're calling them now, I guess. No longer wives." And then all of a sudden, I got another one. He he was laughing. He's like. I got that beat. They called him. His nickname's Dirty. I know why. He said, I got 24 kids, 22 baby mamas. You know what that is? It's perversion. It's an abomination to God. It's filth. Any way you look at it. Okay? I, I always want to say, you know, I, I'll drop the hammer on, on, on homosexuality. I'll drop the hammer on gossip. But I also want to say adultery is no different. Fornication is no different. It's all perversion. It's all perversion. And then you've got the indoctrination of our children. Not only is that stuff going on, but they're trying to convince your kids and my kids and my grandkids and your grandkids that it's normal. And if you don't accept it, you're a weirdo. And that you're judgmental and that you're a homophobic. I'm not a homophobic. I'm like, better keep your distance. You know, I'll tell you, I'll give you the grace of God to share the gospel with you and hope that you come to Jesus. But if you choose not to, better keep your distance from me. And they're teaching our kids. I mean, they're, they're shoving it down our throats. Don't, don't you think it's crazy? I think it's very effective, if you want to the truth. How all of a sudden Satan has poured his whole attention to the little kids. Sex trafficking and all the things we've got going on. And it's an attack on the little kids. Why? Because he knows this. If I can get the kids, I've got the next generation. And I'll share with you. This is my honest opinion. I'm going to say some difficult things this morning. I, and, and y'all know I'm, I, I love you and I'm take it however you take it. But here's, here's the God's honest truth. I was telling my wife this week. I said, if you just, I'm not doubting God. I'm not doubting God, what God can do, what the Spirit of the Lord can do. I believe there can be a great revival. I believe all of that's possible. But here's my honest belief. If God's people, if God's parents and grandparents... Don't make some radical changes. Radical changes in the way that we're raising kids. If the church doesn't make a radical change in their attention and focus on investing in the kids. And this is not just prosper children's church. But if we don't take up the cross and do something about it. You're one generation away from the church folding in the United States of America. Your grandkids will not have what you have. One generation. And everything doesn't depend upon, well, get them, preacher. It depends upon the fact that God gave me my kids to raise and you your kids to raise. And as parents, we're responsible for raising them up in the admonition of the Lord. And then you got 
the epidemic of drug and alcohol use. Then you got all this mental and emotional circus. You can't even watch the outdoor channel without getting 50 advertisements of, of emotional medicine and mental medicine. And I don't know what all that stuff is. It's got all kinds of side effects. You know, if you're depressed, take this medicine. Now, your right arm might fall off, but if it does, notify your doctor. And I'm like, how come it is, you know, 20 years ago, 30 years ago, we weren't seeing all that. What happened people, um, suicide is at an all-time high rate. And I'm like, what's, what's going on here? I think, I think the, the answer to that is, number one, God's people ain't going on. And number two is, we got, we got a massive worship of demons. But demons, you're talking about what we saw at the Super Bowl? No, I'm talking about people who, who claim the name of Jesus but teach a false doctrine. They teach a false truth. They're all over Palestine, Texas. They're all over the media. It doesn't take a red suit and dancing around to be the worship of the devil. The Bible says if you teach a false doctrine, if you teach a false gospel, if you preach anything other than Jesus, it's a demonic worship and let it be accursed. But we're politically nice and we don't want to call things for what they are because people might think that we're a cult. Call it what it is. Call it what it is. Call me what he want. But here's where I'm at. One way of salvation, Christ died for our sins according to the scripture. He was buried and on the third day he rose again. And it's through repentance and faith in Jesus, by his grace, holy, don't add anything or take anything away, that you are born again. And if you are not born again according to the king of kings, you do not have life. There is no exceptions to that. No exceptions. Anything outside of that gospel is demonic worship. And so what you see with Noah and what you see with us is going to be that there's a holy judgment that's already taking place. And if if there's no repentance from God's people, if all these other churches, not y'all, but if all these other churches don't start getting stuff right, we're in trouble. It's going to intensify. It's going to continue. If you'll read Romans chapter 1, you'll see that the judgment of God takes place in steps. And he gives, he's so good, and he's so long-suffering, he gives the opportunity for us to repent. If you're here today as an individual and you got, you're, you, you've got known sin in your life, you're living in that sin as one of God's people because God's people sin, amen? And we're to repent of that sin, forsake it, put it out of our life. But if you're one of them and you're continuing in that, all of a sudden you're going to notice the judgment of God coming about upon that sin in your life. God's going to judge the sin. And what God does, he gives you an opportunity to go, what he wants is for you to repent. Turn away from the sin that's destroying your life or will destroy it and turn to him and find forgiveness and grace and goodness and, and all of the things he wants you to have. He wants you to have life abundantly. But if you continue that sin, you know what? Judgment will intensify. and it will in, Because sin always takes us to the lowest depths. And that's what he's calling on his people to do, you know. But here's the thing. God's people love the things of the world so much that they're in denial. Christians are in denial today. I don't know how many of them go, oh, I've heard that my whole life. It's not like, man, I hope so. Man, I hope Jesus comes back this October. I hope he comes back, you know, within, in my lifetime. Looking so forward to that. Very rarely do I ever hear that. What I hear is people going, you know, I'm not ready for that. I'm not so sure about heaven. I'm not so, you know, I'm, I'm all about blah, 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 and da, da, da. And like, if you want to tell the truth, you just love this world so stinking much, you don't want Jesus to come back. 
you got things to see and money to make and experiences to have. And the whole Jesus thing is great. You know, I got insurance just in case I croak. Right? But the whole really, I really want to see Jesus. You know, I believe in the whole heaven thing. I'm not so sure about that preacher, but I got my fire insurance. I'm not so sure how good your insurance is going to work for you. And, and here's, the, here's the sad part. Many have already been swept away in the satanic flood. Say, so what do you mean by that? I want you to see right here, there's a distinction. Brother, will you turn AC on? Somebody turn AC on. It's smoking in here. <laughs> Maybe it's just me, all right? We'll start the blanket ministry back up. But I want God's people to get this and quit listening to the lies, okay? There is a distinction. In God's people, in the way he's willing to treat us. What we receive and what the world receives is not intended to be the same. The promises and the future of the lost or unbelieving world is not the same of the future and the promises and the access of God's people. There is a distinction and that distinction is called holy. Holy is not, oh, it means I got to wear white and go to church a bunch. That's not holy. That, that distinction comes about by God's grace. You see, God's like, I'm going to destroy the world. I'm going to destroy the earth, everything in it. But, here comes a distinction. But Noah found baptism. Noah found good works. Noah found a way to go to church a bunch. Noah found a great, pre- a great preacher and some good entertainment on Sunday. It says Noah found grace. God's grace, the salvation of God given to us through Christ Jesus. What Christ has done, I won't go back into this because I preached it last week, that he brings into our life and offers to us, fully paid by his sacrifice. Grace, there's a distinction. That means we're holy, spiritually set apart. We're no longer belonging to the devil. Now we belong to him. I want you to look at this, okay? What does grace do? Isaiah chapter 60, verse 1 through 4. That, will that come up? There we go. Watch this. This is the time when Israel was in horrific darkness, okay? Everybody around was like, this is terrible. The world, you know, what it is today. But God says to his people, people of grace, arise, shine, for your light has come and the glory of the Lord has risen upon you. For behold, the darkness shall cover the earth, a deep darkness of people, but the Lord will arise over you. And his glory will be seen in you. Do y'all see that? Look, like I see what's going on in the world, but that's the devil's word. Now, now God has a word for you, and, and, and every one of us need to hear this. Because what we're doing is we're listening to the news, and we're acting upon that. And we're looking at statistics, and we're living by that. And we're looking at lost marriages, and we're building upon that. And we're looking at lost children and families and the way that they're raising their kids. And we're working off of that. And Lord's like, hold on a second. Totally different for you. There's a distinction. What does the next one say? The Gentiles shall come to your light. And the kings, the brightness of your rising. Lift up your eyes all around and see. They gather together. They come to you. Your son shall come from afar. Your daughter shall be nursed by your side. You know what that means? God's like, I'll bring the kids to you. I'll bring the next generation to you. You know what he wants from Cedar Creek? He wants you to arise and shine for the glory of the Lord. All these other churches. I don't care about all these other churches. You're like, arise and shine for the glory of the Lord is upon you. And I'll bring the ones here. And you'll be their parents. If their parents are lost, if their parents are raising like the world, I'll bring them to you. And you be the light to them. 
What's the next one say? Isaiah chapter 61 says the spirit, this time about Jesus, the spirit of the Lord God is upon me because the Lord has anointed me to preach good tidings to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted. There's your, there's your emotional healing. To proclaim liberty to the captives, addiction, to the opening of the prison who are bound by sin. To proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord and the day of vengeance of our God. Notice what it says here. To comfort all who mourn. To console those who mourn in Zion. To give them. Here's what God said. This is what I have for you. To give them beauty. Instead of or for ashes. The oil of joy for mourning. The garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. Why is so many people, God's people depressed? Why do we walk around like the world's, our world's just over and all we do is, if I can just, we got survival Christian. Man, if I can just hold on to Sunday, if I can just make it to Sunday where I can get together with the people at church and somebody surely can, can do something for me to lift me up. I'm like, take a look at Jesus. He'll lift you up on Tuesday. He'll heal anything that you've got going on. He'll restore everything that you've got going on. If you'll put your faith and trust and your focus on Jesus and follow him and do what his word says, he'll give you the garment of praise for heaviness. And notice this, that they might be called the trees of righteousness, the planting of the Lord. The Lord said, I'm the one that set the roots in your life. That he may be glorified. Give him the next one. That's good stuff. And notice this, and they... You hear it say, my, my life is falling apart. My family's falling apart. Take you to Jesus. They shall rebuild the old ruins. They shall raise up the former desolation and they shall repair the ruined cities. And notice what it says, the desolation of many generations. I didn't even know the boy. That's the first time I heard that song. The boy sang this morning. Didn't even know he was going to sing. I was sitting there thinking, man, God, you got something going here today that people need to hear. What's the next one? Isaiah 65. Man, look at this. Therefore, thus says... Say, how can I know this is going to happen? Thus says the Lord God. Behold, my servant shall eat, but you shall be hungry. My servant shall drink, and you will be thirsty. My servant shall rejoice, and you will be ashamed. Will you you back that up for just a second? I want to read that one more time right there. I want you to, when your kids look at their future, when they look at the future of the nation, when they listen to the news, when they hear their, their teachers downplaying everything, back it up one more verse, please. Yeah, that's it right there, right there. I'm sorry. You know what your daddies ought to do? Your mamas ought to do? Take him there and get the Bible. Says, son, that he's that's for the world. We're not of the world. We're people of grace. We're the sons and daughters of the King. This is what he's. Even though they, even though they're hungry, son, don't worry about it. We're gonna eat. Even if there's a famine, we're gonna eat. I'm sorry, I get so loud. I gotta calm down. What's the next to say? Don't worry about it, baby girl. World might thirst to death. You know what? You're going to drink. And even though everybody else might have a spirit of, of depression, his servants rejoice. There's a distinction. There was a distinction between Noah. And let me tell you something. There's a distinction between you. If you know Jesus and you found grace. And so in that, here's what I want to get. God spoke these things to Noah. And in verse 13, it said, And God said to Noah, The end of all flesh has come before me, for the earth is filled with violence through them. And behold, I will destroy them with the earth. And then, this is what, if you have your Bible, please underline this. Make yourself an ark. 
Make yourself an ark. Now here's the truth. Grace saves and seals. By the Spirit of the Lord, at the moment that you trust in God's grace to save your soul, God's Spirit saves you. And according to 1 Corinthians, or not, 1 Corinthians, Ephesians chapter 1, verse 13, 14, you are sealed until the day of the redemption of the purchased possession. Saved and sealed. Noah was saved and sealed by God's grace. He was a just man, innocent before God because of God's grace. So think about this. The Lord could have came to Noah and said, hey, fix to destroy all the earth. Build yourself an ark because if you don't, you're going to go with him. Noah could have went, you know what, that's a powerful word. Man, that was a great message. Really stiffed on my toes, God. You really brought it today. And he could have got up and went out and ate. And forgot everything God said. And you know what would have happened? What would have happened? When the flood came, he and his family would have been destroyed. I don't know about the salvation of kids. It doesn't say at that point in time, this is what I know. Say, so, well, Noah would have made it to heaven. What about his kids? What about yours? There's some people that got the attitude, well, I don't care what happens. I'm going to heaven. What about your kids? What about your grandchildren? What about the generations to come? Here's the thing, you got to think a little bit ahead of yourself and quit thinking about yourself. It's not just about you going to heaven. It's about you living a great life that God has for you, number one, passing that on to your children, passing that on to their children, their children, their children. What if the Lord doesn't come back for another 500 years? Wouldn't you like to stay in heaven and go, hey, it's my great, 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 great grandson. Why are you here? Uh, my daddy and his daddy and his daddy told me about Jesus because... Or would you rather go, I lost everything. I'm here. But I'm the only one that made it. Wasn't too concerned about building an ark. That's going to take up a whole lot of time for me making money and, and chasing after the world and getting fame. Doing all these things that America says is going to give me life. If I go building this ark, you know, preacher, I'll go to church on Sunday morning. But that's about it for me. That touches, don't it? <laughs> Think about this. It says in Hebrews chapter 11, 7, what does it say? Did we do that one? There we go. By faith, Noah, being divinely warned. We're divinely warned by the word of God. Of things not yet seen. Moved. Look what he did, daddies. He moved with godly fear. Prepared an ark. Why? For the saving of his household. You see that? What are parents called to do? We're called to build an ark. I'm going to finish this up real quick, okay? But I want you to write, please write some of this down if it comes to your heart. I want you to be an art builder. So what, what, what is God's desire for every parent here? Those kids that are sitting by you? Those kids that drive you crazy in the grocery store? Those kids that you travel all over taking them to sports and, and school and, and all that stuff? Jesus gave you his children to raise. Gave me the same thing. And you know what? You see here and say, I don't have no kids. Oh, yeah. We just read it. He said, I'll bring them from afar. Plenty of kids don't have mom and daddies that need godly mom and daddies. You can be a spiritual parent. You might have one kid or no kids, but you can have a hundred kids that you planted the seed of God in that will stand with you on the day of judgment. So I want you to get these, these real quick. Okay, I'm going to give you four things how to build an ark for the preservation of your family. Number one, I'm going to touch on the men. This goes to both parents, but I really want you men to pay attention to this because you are the leader of your family. Noah was the builder. Noah was the builder. What is his wife's name? Don't know. 
God wasn't talking to the wife. He was talking to Noah. Quit telling your wife to take the kids to church while you lay up. The best taking care of your family there is that supersedes money is for you to be the spiritual ark builder of your home. You know what a parent's number one calling is? I know a lot of people go, I don't know what God wants, what God wants. If you have children, here's the number one calling. The number one calling of a parent is the saving of your children. And here's the thing, because I don't want you to go taking them home, leading them, leading them in a prayer. Salvation is not leading your children in a prayer. Salvation is a person that you lead them to. His name is Jesus. And that takes a whole lot more work than going, hey, let's pray this little prayer. And you're good to go. If that's all you've got, you're leading them to hell with you. So this is the main point of this number one thing, okay? Teach your kids the word of God. Teach your kids the word of God. You know how his kids found out? No one home said, y'all gather up and let me tell you what God told me. Man, I just want to encourage you dudes, okay? I know we're a blue-collar church predominantly, a bunch of backwood rednecks. We all work hard. We all go out in the sun and we sweat. We freeze to death. We're ingra- it's ingrained in us. You work. What makes you a man is you work. I, I'm, I'm that kind of man. I love it. Okay? But here's the thing. More important than all that stuff is teach your kids God's word. And here's the thing. You can do it. If you're sitting here and go, I don't know it enough, then learn it. Guess what? Stupid me learned it enough to teach my kids. I cared enough to teach my kids. I don't want some slick suit wearing pastor teaching my kids about Jesus. I've been given that opportunity. And you can do this, okay? You can do this. Don't leave it to your wife. Don't give her that blessing. And and maybe you're sitting here and you're like, well, I'm a single parent mom. Teach your babies the word of God. You know what? God will give you the same thing he gives your husband. Better than that, both of you teach them. Teach them God's word. You know what? Say, well, I don't know it. Then then study it each day, a little bit. Just take a little bit each day. And when God speaks to you, because he will, and gather them up at the supper table. You still do that. You know, even if you're one of them eats out all the time, grab a pizza, gather somewhere. You know, while we're cramming down this pepperoni, Dad just wants to tell you what, what Jesus told me today in his word. Magnify the word of God. Let him have a great reverence and respect for the word of God. If nothing else... When you get up in the morning before you take them off to wherever it is that they go. So we're going to gather up as a family and I just want us to stand. I'm going to read one verse from God's word because this is our hope and our life and our direction. And if you kids will live by this and watch dad and mom live by this, your life will be blessed. Second thing is, you know, the purpose of the ark is do what? Keep the water out. Keep the water out. As a parent, you got to keep the water out. So what is this flood you're talking about? Is a flood from the filth from Hollywood? Keep it out. Quit making compromise. Well, you know, they're teenagers. They know all this stuff. They hear all of this stuff. Keep it out. As far as me and my house, and I'll say this, when I was growing up, we didn't watch anything. If it had the slightest word in it, it didn't come into our home. When I was raising our kids, and still today, you know, I know y'all heard me say, well, you say you watch this movie. We got clear choice. If you don't have it, get it. It works great. Cuts out every word and everything in the movie. And you still see at least 15 minutes of a two-hour movie. You get the gist of it. So what are we going to do? Sacrifice the salvation of our children 
at the, at the expense of entertainment? Is that what we're going to do? Or so that they can fit in with all the lost kids at school? You know, even as you as parents, adults, when your kids go to bed, that's not adult time. Turn the filth off. Find something else to do like communicate and we'll have a whole lot less counseling. Amen? Second thing is social media. You know, here's where I'm at. I know a lot of these things are touchy and I'm not telling you to do like I do. I just want to bring to light to go, y'all know, if y'all are adults, social media is full of filth. It's full of filth. Thank God I didn't have a phone when I was a kid. You know what I would have done? I would have looked at, laughed at, and watched filth. If my parents would have let me have it, but I can tell you this, that wouldn't have happened. And it's okay. So let, me, let me give you a little encouragement, parents. It's okay if your kids don't have a phone. I even heard that they've got phones now to where a kid can program like five or six numbers. I, I understand the safety aspect. They've got phones now. Kids are like, shut up, shut up. To where they can program mom phone, dad phone, you know, somebody's phone in case you need somebody. And that's all there is to it. No internet, no social media. You're like, well, you know what? When Johnny goes to school, all his little buddies are going to make fun of him because he don't have a phone like that. Teach Johnny to put five in somebody's face and they'll shut up. You raise yours how you want to raise them. But I didn't raise mine to be babies. I raised mine to be men. Like, you know what? If, if you do that enough, people stop making fun of you and they start respecting your ways. Or pull them out of that junk school and, and do something different with them, okay? But if they're going to have to be around that, here's the thing. Young, young boys, I want to tell you something. When you're born, you are what you are. God makes you male or female. You don't choose that. You don't choose that. God determines that. You choose whether or not you want to be a man. Just because you're a male doesn't make you a man. And some of you teenage boys, I just want to encourage you. Because I know we, we got men raising men in the church. Quit letting the world tell you what a man is. Be a man and stand for yourself. Now, I'm not telling you to go out and put five in somebody's face. But what I am saying is, stand up for what's right. Even if it makes you look different. Here's the thing. If you look the same, you're going to get the same thing. Noah's boys didn't go out in the evening time and go, hey, we're going to go out and have a good time with the world because we want to make sure that we end up drowning in the flood with them. They actually hung out with their daddy, who was a holy man, and was involved in what he was involved with. i got to hurry. Be careful. I'm in five minutes. Be careful of the public school system. Not all teachers are believers. And when you put your kids in there, listen to me. Like, oh, here he goes. Yeah, here I go. If you, I know everybody can't. But, but if you have to put your kids in public, or you choose to put your kids in public school system, you better go overboard being involved. If you turn your kids over to the public school system, I, can, I would just about bet the farm on how it's going to go. When you look at statistics, 80% of kids just going to secular college, Christian so-called kids, kids raised in Christian homes in the church are headed out. And then you got their community. Keep the waters out. If a kid's an unbeliever and he's showing your kid stuff on the phone, don't go, well, you know, little Sarah, she's being a witness. Yes, she is. She's witnessing a lot. Keep a tight rein. Whether the kids like it or not, you're the parent. Keep a tight rein on who they run around with, how they date. I That's a whole different, I could preach a whole deal on that. You're raising kids. The world's raising dogs. Say what you want. Okay? I got to move on. Third thing is involve them in your walk. You know what? They built with Noah. They built with Noah. 
the most influential people in your kid's life should be you and mom. Or you and dad. Or if you, I mean, you know what I'm saying? And it's in a good way. Quit letting other kids mold your kid's life. Quit letting the world mold your kid's life. So involve your family in the work of the Lord. And here's the catch, where you're involved. Ugh, well, I'm not involved. Uh, bingo. We could have a, we could have the answer right here. Why are you not involved in the kingdom work? So what does it look like to be involved? Well, sharing the gospel of Jesus. Let me ask you, Dad, something. You big, strong men. I'm not saying that disrespectfully. Half of you in here, I wouldn't want to wrestle, especially at 52. But here's what I am saying. Because we got a room full of manly men. Has your son or your daughter ever stood there beside you and watched you tell people about Jesus? Share the gospel with somebody? Have they not? If they have not, you've got an issue. Involve them in that. Involve them in serving in the church. Helping. Giving. How many of you parents teach your kids to pray? Teach your kids to pray. I know you can have all the devil's excuses. Well, I'm not comfortable with that. I'm not comfortable going out sweating, but I go out and do it for my family. Right? Let's be real. Get comfortable with it. Come to the place, and if you can't pray... We have people in here who would love to sit down with you and pray with you so that you can learn to pray. One of the one of the most amazing things that a man can do is humble himself, come to a brother in Christ and go, you know what, I'm not comfortable praying. Like, I can fix that. You know what, I don't know God's word. That's what we're here for. I want you to help me. I'm glad to help you. And there's other men in this room that's glad to come along. We got some amazing brothers in Christ's room that is ready for somebody to go, I can't because they're like, what I'm waiting for, I can't. I can make a soldier out of you. I promise you. But you've got to decide what you're going to do. Build a, build a boldness and a courage in them as they see it in you. Build a boldness and a courage in them as they see it in you. Too many weak-backed believers. Too many weak-backed men who say they're believers. Look at the men in the Bible. You don't see that. You see David. You see David's mighty men. You see Jesus. You see men who would stand and spit in the face of the devil, who would stand in their culture, who are unashamed of the gospel, unashamed of God, unashamed of God's word. And somehow, over the years, we got a bunch of dress, spiritual dress-wearing men who won't even teach their kids how to pray because they're embarrassed of the Lord. If that sets home, let's set. If you want to whoop me afterwards, get in line. It ain't going to take long, all right? And then let's finish up so y'all can go talk about me at lunch. Here's one. This is my last point, okay? Be the builder. Keep the waters out. Involve them in your walk. And if you're not walking, start walking. Simple as that. You know what? Today I'm going to get involved so my kids will be involved. Last thing is let them see and hear God's glory. Man, we got way too many defeated, whining, woe is me believers. Don't we? You know, you've heard me say it before, and I know I'm going a long time, but we'll get past it. Kids are doing great today. But get this. Y'all ever seen that sign seen in some older churches? Church is not a museum, saints. It's a hospital for sinners. No, it's not. No, it's not. It's not. It's a war room with a rally cry. That's what it is. It's where God's people come together to, to express thanks to God for the victories we had in the past and the victories we're going to have in the future. And we got to quit wallowing and whining and all this with churches so I can go and be broken and I can cry. That's okay. Get up and walk away victorious. 
But don't be broken and cry and get up, walk away, cry. Go out in the world and find somebody else to cry about. Talk about your misery and your shame, your complaint, your murmuring, and all that stuff. Because I don't serve that kind of God. And it's time for God's people. You know, think about this. A lot of y'all love sports. Your kids love sports. You know why? It ain't because you go to the baseball field and the coaches are like, man, this is miserable. This is awful. When they watch it on TV and they interview the Super Bowl quarterback, he doesn't stand up and go, man, I'm just really tired. My back's hurting. Wish I could find something else. This is really hard. That coach was hollering at me for 45 minutes. You know what would happen if they did? Kid would be like, I don't want nothing to do with this. You know why a lot of kids go, I don't want nothing to do with God? Because that's all they ever hear. More complaints, more whining, more murmuring, more bitterness, more. You know what? I wanted a different baseball team because all these players, they're not as good as me and they don't think like me. They're, even, they're a bunch of hypocrites. I'm going to another baseball team. Come on, son. We're going to go to another baseball team. You know what? I found the same thing here. Let's go to another baseball team. Team hopping. Why don't we got church hopping? Come on, y'all. Let's be real. You know what your kids need to hear? More than the power of the crowd. Because think about this. When Noah was standing there building, oh, he had a crowd. Look at this idiot. Moron. Colt. Oh, it's going to rain. Water's going to fall from the sky. His boys are standing there by him. Don't miss that. They're standing there by him. No one like, you know what? They're right. I don't even know if the Lord's going to do what he says he's going to do. Blah, blah, God this and God that. And you know what we all do? If he would have had that attitude, them boys would have been right out there in the crowd. But their daddy said, you trust in God. Just keep building. Trust in God. Keep building. You know, our kids need to hear the glory of the Lord. Glory of the Lord. Think about this. Why? He said, you're changing another page. Yeah, I got five minutes. Why did people follow Moses? Why did people follow Joshua, David, and Jesus? Because they were real men, they were real leaders, and they had great victories. That's the kind of parents our kids need to see. Lead your family in the victories. Tell them regularly of God's goodness and glory. And then I'm going to close with this. Lead them in the praise that magnifies the Lord. I got to say this. I know some kids are quiet, okay? But did y'all notice the other Sunday we lined up the kids all the way across here and they was going to sing a song? I watched the kids. It was a lot of them looked just like you. The only difference was they wasn't just staring at the screen. I'm like, honestly, if a, as a parent, mom or dad, if this is the way you worship, you know how your kids are going to grow up and worship? That's why. What would you say if your kids said, hey, dad, can, you, can I ask you a question? How come the Bible says, praise the Lord? Shout to the Lord. Sing to the Lord. How come How come you don't do that? What would your answer be? Probably be like, I don't, I don't sing. Yes, you do. When nobody else is with you and you're riding down the road listening to that country music garbage, you're singing thinking yourself as Garth Brooks. And you know what? You'll even do it with your kids sitting in the truck. You think he thinks you sound good. So why don't we do it at church? Let's tell the truth. Because I'm ashamed, I'm embarrassed, I'm afraid somebody's going to hear me sing and think something about me. I don't love Jesus like these people do. Son, we're just here to put our time in. Now listen to me, I sit on the front row, as far as I know, all of y'all sing. 
So I'm not picking on folk. If this is touching on you, you know what? I'm going to get all huffy and leave and, and go team hopping. Gump up and praise God. You know what happens when you do? Your little boy grows up and he praises God. You know what, mamas? When your daughter's sitting there, they see you praising Jesus. Like, this must be something real to this. They start praising Jesus. And then your grandkids grow up and they're praising Jesus. And one day, just like Noah, all the stuff they went through. Think about this. I ain't saying art building is easy. It was difficult. He spent over half his life, that family did, building that ark. But there came a day where the rain started falling. And the flood came. And the waters rose up. And the world was washed away, consumed. Adam and his family, safe in the ark of God, went through that. Think about this. And when God opened the door and they stepped out into a new world, Noah didn't lose anything. There's going to be a come a day where judgment's going to get more and more. You've got to ask yourself, did I build the ark that's going to carry my family through this? And then a day is going to come where God's going to open up a door into a whole new world. The question is, will you suffer great loss because you chose to be cool and chase after everything so that the flood of Satan washed away the precious little boy that you love so much, that wife that you wanted to be a good husband for, that husband that you had so much respect for because he worked so hard. On the day when you stand before the Lord, will they stand there with you because you built an ark? Will you stand with your head bowed and your eyes closed?